Sean, it's nearly time to head in. Yes, it's getting close now. Did you sleep last night? I did, a bit. A bit? A bit, yeah. But restless, yeah. Were you thinking about it a lot? Well, it doesn't my mind, yeah. It doesn't my mind. All we'd gone through and far we'd come with it and all that, you know. It's taken a long time. It's been a long time. Eight years long. So how did you feel when you approached this enormous European Parliament building this morning? Uh, it's intimidating, but I feel Sinead will be here to help me along. Sean Farron is from a small village in the northmost tip of County Donegal. It's Wednesday the 4th of November 2009 and he sits in a cafe far away from his home. He's travelled over 1,000 kilometres to be there, to visit the European Parliament's Altiero Spinelli building in Brussels' EU quarter, the very heart of European power. He made this journey because of his daughter Sinead, because years after her untimely death, he still has concerns as to why she died. He hopes he'll receive some solace in Brussels that he hasn't yet found at home. It's an important morning for him and his family, a moment that's taken eight and a half years to get to. She needed finished work and uh, she was going to her mother-in-law's with a birthday card. She had come home from her work and she had her dinner, her mother had her dinner ready for her at home here. And she headed off then to buy a card down in Cairndonna to bring to her mother-in-law a birthday card. And she was travelling down to Goldaf. And uh, she came on just a stretch of road that had been tired and chipped. And uh, her car went off the road in these chips. And uh, she was brought into the hospital and died that evening. It's just after 6am and I'm at Dublin Airport with Sean Farron and his wife Magdalene. It's Tuesday the 3rd of November. The Farrens drove down from the Inchone Peninsula in Donegal yesterday. They're here because eight and a half years ago their daughter Sinead died in a car accident. Sinead was just 22. She'd been married for two years and to two sisters, Anya and Shannon, and a brother, Andrew, the Farrens feel that questions about her death still need to be answered. But they can't get those answers here. So tomorrow, Sean Farron is speaking in front of the European Parliament Petitions Committee. This is why Mr Farron goes to Brussels. It has been a long time. There has been, it has been a hard time too, so it has. You have your ups and your downs in the days it's been going all right, and other days it's just, it can get you down too, so it can. And it's sore in the family. What happens on those days that when it's getting you down? You smoke a bit extra and drink more tea. <laughs> Basically, when you go into yourself, you go quiet of yourself, and you think, and you think it's all worth it and all. And I've met parents that came in that had only lost their children maybe a couple of years Ident nearly identical circumstances to Sinead's I worked in construction all my life when I was 14 or 15 years of age in England and back here in Ireland then again at the plastering and stuff like that there I didn't suited me to be giving interviews or 
going to Brussels, let's put it that way. I never thought I'd be doing it. And there's, there's something I'm not used to, and that's anybody that's used to doing it, it's a lot easier for them what it does for me, I would say. But if it helps me, I'll do it. Final call, and it's going to EI 630 to Brussels. Well, Sean Byrne was a neighbour of mine from Carndonan, Carndonagall. I also would have known Sinead, uh, she was a friend of my older sisters. And I suppose I would have known of the case when it happened in 2001. Um, but later, uh, it started in Jim Higgins' office in October 2006. And from Francis Doherty, former employee, Jim Higgins' office. At the time. So he asked me to review the case and look at the documentation that Jim had. It was sort of six years' worth of documentation at that stage. So basically, um, in the 12th of June 2001, Sinead was travelling from her home house to Kuldaff village, where her mother-in-law resided. Um, on the way there, she... As she was entering Kildaff village, she came across a section of roadworks. So as she came over a rise in the road, she then was on the loose chippings and the car went out of control. And unfortunately, Sinead went off the road and later died in Alton Hospital in Derry. She was very dark, very pretty. And uh, she had lovely eyes. I always, she always had nice eyes because even when she was a baby, you know, people used to stop me when she was in the buggy and say to me, oh, she has lovely eyes. And I used to say, well, I've had a pound for every time somebody told me that I'd be well off, you know. She was, she was very pretty girl, dark hair, nice eyes. She nice, as Shannon used to always say when she was very young, you know, Shannon was young when she laid down. Shannon used to say, Mommy, she had lovely teeth, sparkling white teeth, which she did have. You know, I suppose every mother thinks her own daughter's beautiful, isn't that right? She used to phone me at her dinner break, you know, when she worked in the local chemist, and she'd say, what are you doing now that time? I'd say, well, whatever you're doing about the house, well, just leave it, come on down now. We're going into the local, you know, pub or hotel, and we'll have a bit of pub lunch. Um, and her hour, I used to go down and, oh, whatever we'd have, her baked potatoes, she liked. And then she'd go back to work. And many the day I missed that phone call because I used to say, even afterwards, what daughter really would want to phone her mum and say, come on down and have lunch with me? But she was great like that. She never forgot me. Her and I were very, very close. We really were. I had Sinead when I was very young. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Unfortunately today, she's not, she's not with us. After a one-hour, 45-minute flight, we've arrived in Brussels. It's now just after 10am, and we're already on a train headed for Brussels city centre. Outside, fields whiz by, then we go through a tunnel, and then a more industrial view emerges. The Farrens aren't looking out, though. They're looking inside, remembering. It's been stressful, all right. The build-up the build doesn't everything else. You know, you're going over old ground and stuff like that. There are things that, things that normally... If your child had lost, had an accident and it was resolved, you know, 
uh, you wouldn't be going over the same things eight years after it. You know, we have to get we have to get closure. On it. It's not like a lightning struck and kills an egg. There's a lot of pressure in a home with us here steady going on. You know, I see you'll have up days and down days, and there's good days and bad days, but. You'll have more bad you'll have more bad days than good days. Today's reasonable day we're getting out and you're hopeful. Still not eleven AM, we leave Brussels Central Station. We head off on foot. Twenty minutes and a few false turns later, we arrive at the hotel. Thank you. Oh, one is enough. Thank you. The hotel is large, a big lobby, lots of business people talking. The hearing is tomorrow, so the Farrens plan to spend the rest of the day with other Irish families, the Gallagher's and the Keynes, who are here for the same reason. All right, here we are. 306 on the third floor and 307 also on the third. For the breakfast in the morning, we start from 7 until 10. And the large breakfast room on the right side. And my colleague tomorrow will give you the breakfast. At Christmas 2008, when I was home on holidays, I met with Sean and Madeline at their house, and they presented me with their boxes of documentation and correspondence. And so I reviewed that. Uh, in the second week of January, when I went back to the office in Brussels, I drew up the petition and basically then presented it to Sean and asked him to make any suggestions that he felt was appropriate or correct any um, mistakes with dates. So the petition was then submitted in the end of January. Basically an avenue of redress for any EU citizen that they can approach the European Parliament. They don't have to be lawyers, they don't have to be solicitors, they can just write a simple one-page document if they want and put it to the petitions committee and say, I feel that this is wrong and I believe that it should be investigated. got a phone call here. Actually, Andrew, my son, got a phone call and he come running into the house here to me to say, Mammy, Sinead's been in an accident, uh, come quick. So both myself and him got into the car and headed quite quick down to the Mallon Road, down to Kildav. On my way there, I saw an ambulance coming towards me. I knew it had to be something to do with Sinead. So I stopped my own car and got out of the got out of it. Left Andrew in it, who Andrew was very young at the time, you know. Um was flagged down and I stopped the ambulance, uh, got onto the ambulance and the lady driver said to me, Are you her mother? And I said, I am. She said, Well don't look back, she said, just start to pray. She said, um, of course I did look back and Sinead was in a terrible state. Her, what I had seen was just a nightmare. Um, I carried on in the ambulance, made my journey to Karen, up towards Carndona, where they stopped at the local hospital, first of all, uh, to see, get another doctor to look at her in the ambulance. And then, of course, they just drove on quick to Alkney Galvin. When I got to Alkney Galvin, it was a nightmare. Because I knew on my, tra- on my journey in that ambulance, I knew Sinead was dying. 
And even to this day, the sight of an ambulance really makes me sick, to be honest with you. But we made our journey there, and in Alton Galvin, a short time after Sinead was pronounced dead. And as that, the family all started to come. And Sean was travelling to Dublin that evening. He was stopped at Achnacloy, where he got a phone call to say, turn back, that Sinead was seriously ill. I'd just gone through Achnacloy and I got the phone call that Sinead had been in an accident. <coughs> and I turned it. Turned round to head back for Derry, and uh, my brother phoned me from Cork and uh, told me to pull on. Asked me what I was driving, he told me to pull on. And as soon as he said that to me, I knew Sinead was dead. So I don't remember driving the rest of the road after getting that word. So I don't know what way I drove down the road. I don't remember driving down the road. I remember getting to the hospital. It was a horrible feeling to know that the girl was dead and gone and look at her, you know. I just couldn't believe it. Really horrible situation to be in for any family. It's your worst nightmare, you know. Exactly, your worst nightmare. It's, it's affected our family greatly since even. She's been driving for five years, maybe more, do you know what I mean? She learned in a, I learned her in a van up there, you know, up the side, just outside me one day, you see the big schoolyard up there, I learned her when she was young up there to drive and all. She drove away, got her lessons and done everything. She was very, in her five years she had no accidents or nothing. Later that same day, I walked to the Altiero Spinelli building where MEPs have their offices. The building fronts onto a wide open space and a square full of cafes and restaurants. Here in the EU quarter, most people seem to be trailing their wheelie suitcases behind them as they come and go to meetings. I approach the entrance, up steps, past the fluttering flags of all the EU countries. Inside, the spacious foyer is full of people of all nationalities waiting for security clearance. I wait too have my photo taken and get a security badge. My bag goes through the scanner and I'm in. I meet MEP Jim Higgins. He shows me a list of petitioners and tells me there have been 99 in the last five months. The issues that are coming up. You know, I'll just give you an example of... Um, I see one here. Cosimo Francasso, Italian, concerning a dioxin alarm in Toronto. Uh, number 212, Ionis Papandoulis on the creation of landfill sites. They're all headed to Brussels to seek answers they couldn't find at home. And Jim has a big file on the Farron case in front of him. Well, I met with Sean Farron by sheer accident. You may recall that I was the one that raised the issue of Garda corruption in Donegal, the McBearties. And after the Morris Tribune had been set up, it was in full flow at the time, Frank McBearty Jr. decided that he was going to have a forum in Donegal and he invited people from all over the place. And one of the complaints that was aired on the day was that of Sean Farn in respect of his daughter Sinead, who had died in the road traffic accident. And that's how it all started and we have been at it since in relation to, first of all, trying to get justice. Secondly, from the point of view of trying to get a competent authority to investigate and eventually, after a lot of work, collectively, we succeeded in getting the Health and Safety Authority to go in and investigate. The local authorities decided 
to bring a High Court case against the Health and Safety Authority to challenge the right of the Health and Safety Authority to get involved in any area of road maintenance. And thirdly, from the point of view of getting members of the Garda Shikana to investigate, and they did investigate, and you know, on the 21st of February, Superintendent Patrick Kennedy, and I have to give him great credit, he found that there were acts of grave omission committed by Donegal County Council on the 12th of June 2001, which is the fatal date. And he goes on to say, in the manner in which they conducted their road resurfacing operation on the main Mallon to Culduff Road, and in his opinion disclosed a breach of Section 13 of the Non-Fatal Offences Against the Person Act, Reckless Endangerment. Jim is reading from a letter sent by Minister for Justice Dermot O'Hearn to Antishak Brian Cowan in September. In it, he cites these conclusions of the superintendent and continues that the DPP directed there should be no prosecution in this case. In response, Michael McLoon, County Manager of Donegal County Council, subsequently issued a statement and said that the effect of publishing this information is to convey the impression that the Minister for Justice was preferring Superintendent Kennedy's opinion over that of the DPP, despite the latter being the person charged by statute with the duty to make decisions to prosecute or otherwise. So we succeeded in getting the different authorities on board. Unfortunately, and this is the net point, the Director of Public Prosecutions has decided that no criminal prosecutions will be brought in this particular case. And that's the reason, ultimately, that they have arrived out here in Brussels. It was about ten past seven in the evening when the actual accident happened. As Sean said, Sinead came home to me that evening just after her work finished. She worked in a local chemist and um, I had given her her tea and her dinner, whatever, tea. And she went down at about half six to go to Kildare, you know. And that's the last I seen of her. It was bright, bright, yeah, yeah. it was bright and everything was dry. In fact, the road probably was very dry, the chips. Um, It was a bright summer's evening, yeah. It was a lovely evening, so it was. But it ended up not nice for us, though. No, we'll always be in the 12th of June. We always remember the 12th of June. It'll be always with us, that date. The questions that they would ask the local authority was, can the local authority explain what happened and how it went wrong, how this site was left in such a condition? They would ask for the safety plan, the plan of works, all this documentation that's meant to be submitted submitted by the council basically before they start any road works. In fact, the National Roads Authority issue guidelines that all local authorities must comply with when building and maintaining roads. When roadworks are planned, it is a legal requirement under the Roads Act that an independent safety audit be carried out. But with smaller work like tar and chipping, there is no requirement for such an independent audit. It's up to the local authority to follow the guidelines and carry out any checks required. As they investigated the issue further and their knowledge grew as to what was the appropriate measures and what should be done and, you know, that they saw there's definitely a problem here and we want to avoid this and we want to, you know, that Sinead's death isn't in vain, that 
there's something gained from this that other families don't have to go through, what the foreign family went through. The Health and Safety Authority, when contacted, did review the avenues that they could take to intervene and to investigate it as a site of work. The Gardaí, initially when the incident occurred, the Gardaí were not automatically called to the scene. Um, the ambulance was called by a passerby, so it was only, I think, approximately 30 minutes later after the ambulance had left, the Gardaí happened to be passing by in patrol and noticed that there was a car off the road and that there was people at the scene, so they asked what happened and found out. It's Wednesday the 4th of November. The day of the petition hearing has arrived. Scheduled for 10am, I meet with the Farrens and the two other families at 8.30. We get our security badges and head to a coffee shop inside the Altiero Spinelli building. It's a spacious and bright cafe and busy with smartly dressed parliament employees of every nationality. It's just getting close now. Did you sleep last night? I did, a bit. A bit? A bit, yeah. A bit restless? But restless, yeah. <laughs> Were you thinking about it a lot? Well, it doesn't my mind, yeah. It doesn't my mind. All we'd gone through and far we'd come with it and all that, you know. It's taken a long time. It's been a long time. Eight years long. So yeah. how did you feel when you approached this enormous European Parliament building this morning? Uh, it's intimidating, but I feel Sinead will be here to help me along. In Sean's hand is his presentation. He's told me he's written about 30 versions. He's going over it again now. No one is relaxed. There's a delay. We wait. The nerves and anxiety increase now. They've had years of feeling no one has listened to them. Will they listen here? I think I have as much help as I need. I'll get through it. Magda's not having a good morning. A teary morning, one of these mornings. Magdalene, smartly dressed in black trousers and a leather jacket, has been tearful all morning. Please, God, we get through today, just, and as Sean said, Sinead will be with us. It's been hard, and it's sad to think that we had to come as far to try and to get justice, whereas if our government at home had listened to us, you know, maybe we wouldn't have to make this journey. As I say, it's hard along with your loss. Please, God, we get the day over. At EU level, road safety is based on three pillars, road infrastructure, vehicle safety and driver behaviour. In Ireland, the Road Safety Authority looks after certain aspects of vehicle safety and then is in charge with changing driver behaviour through publicity campaigns and so on. But we provide roads, we build roads and we use them every day and we are working to reduce road fatalities and the Road Safety Authority are doing a very good job at this but their remit prevents them from interfering in road uh, infrastructure management we're all inside now the room is large with big windows lots of natural light theatre style seating with desks are arranged in a semicircle in front of a raised podium where the Petitions Committee chairperson and other members of the committee sit. Translators' booths are built high up into the curved walls of the room. 
There are at least 70 people here, MEPs and assistants, European Commission representatives, other petitioners. The Ferns don't know what the outcome will be or even how long it will take for the Petitions Committee to give their response. Sean, wearing a dark suit and a grey shirt, starts to speak. Uh, Thank you very much for giving us this opportunity to speak to you today. My name is Sean Farn and I'm here with my wife Maglin and some other families from Ireland who have lost loved ones as a result of incident at Roadworks in Ireland. The President of the Petitions Committee, Italian MEP Arminia Mazzoni, is at a top table on a platform with four other members of the committee. On the 12th of June 2001, Sinead's car went out of control after going over a hump on the road which was covered in loose chippings. The roadworks began at the back of the hump. There was one small advance warning sign which was lying over and an overgrown grass verge. Now everybody is listening. Sean is sitting, concentrating on reading his presentation into the microphone. Madeline's beside him, still tearful. Sinead was a competent, accident-free driver. She travelled this journey three or four times a week, so she was familiar with the road. Donegal County Council were allowed to erect additional signs and flashing lights and remove the excessive chippings by means of a road sweeper. A foreign woman sitting directly in front of Magdalene dips into her handbag, turns around and hands Magdalene a tissue. The emotion is etched on this thoughtful stranger's face. Later, I learned that the German translator was translating through her own tears. You could hear a pin drop. We have tried to give you a brief overview of the position and remain as objective as possible. We believe it is now time for collective action. When we have struggled to get answers to our own case, this is a matter of urgent importance and need to be addressed. We believe that the EU can take a lead role here and prevent this from happening to others. The sad thing with the test, Sinead's body for drink, the tester for drugs. Sinead was neither drink, she was coming from her work, do you know? But they never tested the road. We know it'll not take Sinead back. I know that. You know, it might help other families that really they wouldn't have to go through what we've gone through in the last eight years. I know there is other families out there that have been with us, we've met them. And they're going through it too. And there's so many of us. But it's terrible to think that you have to go through this as well as losing a child. If somebody's in a, if, it's, if you lost a child, as Magnus says, through natural causes or through a, an accident that can't be avoided sort of thing, most accidents can be avoided, warn them there's a danger ahead and good time. But always was a lovely girl. She was very easy to rear. And... Uh, her and I got on very well, as Sinead was my oldest girl. We were very close. And uh, the times that we had together, you know, sometimes Sean would be working away and away from home, like, Sinead was great company. Being the oldest, she was like the adult then in the house, you know. But she was so good to the rest of the family, Ronnie and Andrew and Shannon, and especially Shannon, because she was Shannon's godmother and always caring for the family and everybody in the house. 
You couldn't remember her voice, what she sounded like, do you mean? That's right. And then we got the DVDs of old films of, of her 18th birthday now, we got them done. Yes. She was a Donald on them for us and uh, <laughs> we played them to Shannon then, she could see she needed them, hear her voice. Actually, Shannon really wanted them, sore. she kept uh, going on to us, uh, please can you get them CDs done as they were on videos them time, please could you put them into CDs, I want to hear her speak. She said, because she said, it's really annoying me. I can't, can't hear her voice. Couldn't remember what she sounded like. Couldn't remember how she sounded. She was so young, you see. She was so young. But uh, that's that was, that was very sore yeah. to listen to your young she, younger daughter wanting to hear that, you know. I myself can just, when I close my eyes, I can see her so clear. And I can hear her voice clearly. She always had a great hello to me when she came in in the evening from work. Hello, ma'am. What did you do today? When Sean finishes his presentation, the two other Irish families begin theirs. Afterwards, other people take to the floor. Representatives from the European Commission... MEPs speaking in French and German, and Jim Higgins, along with other Irish MEPs. Then, when it's all over, Chairperson Arminia Mazzoni begins to speak. It seems that there and then she will decide what the Petitions Committee will do. Just after she finished speaking, the Farons and others gather outside the room. A little more energy seems to be present, and there's some relief too. I didn't have my earphones in, so I didn't even hear the translation of what the chairperson said. You got that, uh, Bettina, did you? No, I didn't get He's that. After, he, gave us, he gave us a debriefing there. They're doing two things. One, they are writing to the Transport Committee and they're suggesting to the Transport Committee that the Transport Committee would do a non-initiative report on the whole issue of road safety. And they will be sending an opinion from the Petitions Committee which will include the Fardens, the Gallaghers and the Keynes three cases, three submissions and these will feed into the own initiative report and that report will then be debated in the European Parliament. The second thing they're doing is they are writing to the Dáil Oireachtas Committee, to the Oireachtas Committee on Transport, and they will be giving the observations of the committee, and they will be asking the committee, the Oireachtas Committee, to receive the Farns, the Keynes, and the Gallaghers, and to allow them to make oral presentations in relation to their grievances. So we're quite happy that we've made considerable progress. We're getting there slowly but surely. I think it went very well, and the response we've got there. It's unbelievable, you know. It was nerve-breaking, uh, like I suppose, to start with, you know, but once once I got going, it was all right. If, as you know, we were to go in and start straight away, and there was an issue that wasn't dealt with, and they brought it up. So it delayed, slightly delayed it, and it gave us a little bit more. When you're set up to go in and start, and then you get delayed slightly, it gives you a wee bit more time to your nerves, sort of thing, you know. Once I got started, it was relaxing enough. There was quite a lot of people, and the response we got from different countries there, I thought was phenomenal. And now, as I'm going to contact the Iraq, the committee now, and the transport committee, and if we're, we'll have no problem, surely, if we can come to Brussels and give evidence, we'll have no problem going to Dáil Éireann 
to say a few words to the transport committee. No problem, thank And basically the petitions committee chairperson gave a commitment to prioritise their case as much as possible, that it would be fully investigated and that they would be kept in contact with at all stages um, as sort of the normal procedures. So the family sort of left thinking that they've spent seven years at that stage looking for answers at home, attempting to meet ministers, attempting to talk to people and the doors were closed in their face yet they fly to Brussels, supposedly the centre of bureaucracy for the EU and they find people willing to meet them whenever and talk to them however long they need and answer their questions and be patient with them. Two weeks later, we learn that letters have been prepared by the Petitions Committee and are waiting for a signature. Just over four weeks later, Sean Farron gets a letter from the Petitions Committee confirming the actions they will take. And just before Christmas, the Petitions Committee sent a letter to the European Parliament Transport Committee. In it, they ask that the questions raised by the Farrens and the other petitioners be examined with the possibility of producing a report on this matter. They also sent a letter to the Arachthus Transport Committee saying they want to draw their attention to the significant petitions they have received from Ireland regarding road safety. They ask that all efforts are made to improve road safety on all Irish roads and suggest that the Arachthus Committee might wish to invite the petitioners to their meeting when these issues are being addressed. Will the Farron's trip to Brussels have been worthwhile? Will they get the chance to be heard in their own country? Will they get any answers? Sinead was only doing what she normally done. Sinead done nothing different than what she'd done the summer before no. when she was down. The only no, thing change was, was the road. road. I feel Sinead could have went down and up that road 20 times, yes. like she normally did. And she'd be here. She'd be here now with us. And, you know, something that would just be lovely. Mm.